If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Hello, students. Hello, uh, Marketing News Canada listeners, viewers as well. This is a special episode where it's designed both for students who uh, are from our Jelly Academy and also um, for those that listen to our typical Marketing News Canada interview. So we have two incredible guests today, not just one. You get two for one today. So those that are listening, used to having one guest, we have two today, which is really, really great. Um, when we start right away, Avery, with you, if you want to introduce yourself and... Uh what you love doing maybe in the mornings? What's kind of your morning routine these days? Oh, okay. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Avery Swartz. Uh, I'm based in Toronto. And um, I own, I, I'm the founder. So I started and I own a company called Camp Tech. And Camp Tech, I say that it's um, tech skills for non-technical people. Uh, so we do really um, practical and beginner level tech and digital marketing workshops. That company is uh, 11 years old. Before that, I ran a web studio. I'm sure we're going to get into all this uh, history. It's going to be fun. Um, but what do I like to do in the morning? Um, uh, I'm one of these people that like will stay in bed until the last possible moment, but I do have to get up at a reasonable time to get my children out the door. Um, and then coffee. It's, it's yeah. just coffee. Just give yeah. me coffee right in the veins. I love it. <laughs> um, Jonathan, over to you if you want to introduce yourself and your nighttime routine, your bedtime routine. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm Jonathan Becker. I'm based in Vancouver. I started an agency called Thrive Digital. We're about 130 people. We manage about $500 million a year in paid acquisition budgets for mostly American companies out of New York, San Francisco, LA, and Chicago. Um, can talk a little bit more about that through this uh, this meeting today. Uh, my nighttime routine revolves around my kids, basically. So I am uh, warming up some milk, reading bedtime stories, singing songs, putting the little people down, and then um, passing out as quickly as possible so that I can kind of rinse and repeat the next day. Yeah. Are you are you the dad who like when you're like, hey man, we'll hang out after I put my kids to bed, and then you're the dad who's like. Hey, sorry, man. The next morning, you're like, sorry, man. I fell asleep reading a book to my kid. Yeah, Are you like, yeah, you're, yeah. You're. I, I, I'm 41. I do not have the energy that I used to. Uh, kids are like the best thing ever, but also just exhausting. And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I work. I spend time with my family. And if you want to hang out with me, I might be available after like 8 p.m. for an hour, and that's that's as good as it gets these days. It's amazing, amazing. Um, so everyone, loves all of you. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I, I know it well. Um, Avery, everyone has a great origin story. I want to hear about kind of like getting into university or college or whatever happened post high school and kind of what got you to the track you are, your, what got you your job in digital marketing? What was that look like? So I have what I, what I think might be the most convoluted path uh, career path to date. Um, we'll see. Uh, it, it's a competition. Let me know if anybody out there has one that's, that's a little wilder than this. But um, uh, it's important to mention how old I am because I think that that sets some context to to what was going on with technology at different points in my life. So I'm 43 years old, which means I was born in 1980. I am uh, that generation like that really walks the line of like I think of myself as being the youngest Gen Xer, but I think some people would call me an elder millennial, which I just, to that I say rude, like that is just rude. <laughs> um, I, I personally more identify as a Gen Xer. Um, but anyway, so, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a kid of the 80s. And, um, and, you know, when I grew up, if I said to my parents, like, hey, mom and dad, um, I want to be a search engine optimizer. Uh, when I grow up, they'd be like, oh, honey, that's not a thing. Um, 
so it's important to kind of contextualize like like I literally came up with the internet itself um I did not have like we had a, a computer in the family like in the in the house but I didn't have my own personal computer that was literally just mine until I was like 23 like that's bananas right um so when I went to university, which I did, um, I went to university here in Toronto, I went to Toronto Metropolitan University, which at the time was called Ryerson. And get this, I went to theater school. Um, I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in theater production. Um, I am a raging extrovert. So you will probably think I was an actor, but I was not an actor. I actually went to theater school because I wanted to be a lighting designer. Um, I really like I'm a bit of a math and physics nerd. And I'm also an art nerd. So I thought that would be a really beautiful kind of marriage of math and physics and also art um, to study and, and do lighting design. But when I came out of theater school, I actually ended up um, discovering that I quite liked the business of arts. Uh, so I immediately went to work in Toronto's theater scene and I worked at basically name a theater company in Toronto and I was on the staff of that theater company in the early 2000s. Um, I worked in jobs such as I was a producer, I was um, an outreach person, I ran departments of theaters, I was asked to be the general manager of theater companies when I was like, I was like 25 years old and did I was do, asked to be did like you do a second, second City? Ron Tite. Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, I, I did not do improv training at Second right. City, but like I have like, let me put it this way. I know my way around the backstage of Second, of City. Second City. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. I know where all the hidden doors are in yeah. every theater in Toronto. Yeah. Um, and, and to be quite honest, when I, so I was about 25, 26 years old and I started to burn out. Uh, I started to think, what is this lifestyle? Um, you know, I was I lived with three roommates to literally make ends meet. Um, oh, the parties, the part, the part. I missed the parties. Mm -hmm. The parties were so good, um, but I was making like five dollars a year, and I just thought, <laughs> I don't know if this is a sustainable lifestyle. Um, so I went back to school and I, I went back to school and I did a diploma program in graphic design and what this is in 2006. So this is the early, early days of web design. Like we learned flash uh, in, in school. Um, so I learned the principles of graphic design early, early days of HTML and CSS, just the tiniest, tiniest little baby bit of JavaScript. Um, and then I decided that I was going to freelance and that I was going to just be uh, a web, a front end web designer um, and that I would make websites for people. And that's what I did for, oh gosh, those 2006. And I was making websites up until maybe like 2017. So like 11 or 12 years. Wow. And then I started this education company, the workshop company, Camp Tech. I started that alongside um, the, the tech, uh, the, the web design studio. Um, and then it eventually blew up and grew to be a much larger company. And I thought, you know, I can't, I can't keep up with the technical knowledge that I needed to be a front end developer and also run my my other business so i just said you know i'm done i'm not going to be a web designer anymore i'm going to shut that shop down and then just run camp tech so that's Amazing. my very like like that's theater awesome. to yeah. graphic design to web design to marketing to education it's incredible did you ever uh, if, so i ran i was born in 1981 uh okay. so back in the day if you remember this jonathan geocities websites or angel oh, yeah. did you ever build one of those um, not only did I, but like, here's how super nerdy I was. Um, <laughs> like my parents, if my parents had any idea what I was doing, um, I was regularly on bulletin board systems. Yeah. So I was like using the dial-in modem to the bulletin yep. board systems, and I was literally like meeting up with people on the yeah. weekends in mm -hmm. Toronto, like people that I had met on a BBS, people that I was meeting through like GeoCity sites, and oh, like. Yeah. My parents had no idea where I was going. I was just like, bye, I'll be home by curfew. And I'd go and like hang out with strangers in a coffee shop. And and that established just this idea that like you really can make friends through the internet. And some of my best but it friends was weird back came then. through the internet. Yeah. Meeting weird, people on a BBS was weird. And like yeah. you were a yeah. strange person if you did that. Um yeah. I I remember that uh that yeah. era as well. John, did you what was your first site? Did you was that you built? Did you ever get into the 
I did. So I I was on the web development scene a little bit later, but I feel like at, at our generation of like, you know, internet professionals, web professionals, building websites is kind of like a rite of passage. You are tinkering in one yeah. platform or another. Um, I was never much of a back-end developer. I was a front-end guy and I built out of Joomla uh, and I would get into the code and like, you know, tweak HTML, CSS, and some JavaScript. And that's as hardcore as I got. It's amazing. And then would you, were you ever an ICQ or an MSM messenger user? Uh, both. Yeah, both. for sure. <laughs> and like, and before that, like AOL and yeah. CompuServe yeah. and, you know, before that, the BBSs and, and yeah. stuff like that. And I remember, you know, dialing up to a BBS, trying to download a game. And then my mom would pick up the phone and I'd be like, mom, like hang up the phone. You, you just stopped my download. And it, you know, it download would take like 17 days, oh, yeah. three hours, four minutes type thing. Yeah. Amazing. I remember playing King's Quest and Space Quest with these floppy disks and you put them in oh, and it'd be nine so of them and you'd have to switch totally. it, it out. And 10 disks to install a single game and the box yeah. would be otherwise completely empty <laughs> and you'd buy a box. Yeah. The game would have, would come in a box. Yeah. You'd go to the store and buy it yeah. and take it home and <laughs> yeah. put it in the drive. Oh my gosh. Like I remember yeah. um, when this was Christmas of like, I don't know, maybe... 1992 when i got missed on cd wrong oh, like oh my gosh i'm not much of a gamer now but like holy guacamole that was my life that was like, like the only cool game on mac yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh that's amazing and john what were you what's, what was your journey to where you are now because um yeah. So I think like my interest in the web started at, um, like Avery, you know, when I was a little kid, um, every, both software and the hardware side. So software side, I was a gamer and, um, I, I learned early about myself that I liked like strategic games, like civilization and SimCity and Warcraft, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then I would also take apart my parents' computers much to their chagrin. So like they buy a new computer and then you know, come downstairs in the basement and realize that I had like screwed the back off of it and was like unplugging, you know, transistors and stuff like that. And so, um, but I learned a lot about, um, you know, both uh, the web that way, hardware that way, and then also myself and my own preferences. Um, my my job, you know, history and career path uh, is just as um, diverse and disjointed as Avery's. I think I was a little bit all over the place, but to, to make it a little bit more synced. Um, for me, it was less that I knew precisely what I wanted to do. And I kind of like undertook different roles, uh, learning more about what I didn't want than what I wanted. And at a certain point, um, you know, I, I remember even, you know, after a range of different college jobs and running an event production company at UVic, which is where I went to school, I walked across the stage getting my degree and I remember distinctly thinking, what am I going to do now? And so I had an arts degree, political science and a minor in history. And that was wonderful until it was finished. And I realized that I didn't necessarily have any technical skills. And so I went and kind of, you know, tried out a few different types of roles in different types of industries, again, learning kind of by exclusion. So learning about more what I didn't want, environments that I didn't like. Um, and then eventually, you know, went back to my roots, so to speak, and uh, built a site that was an affiliate marketing kind of uh, platform for games and gaming sites and online poker and stuff like that. And so I didn't have a formal, you know, training in uh, web development or anything. And I, I just read the internet and learned how to do these things. Um, and then eventually, I was kind of like, you know, um, that website, by the way, turned into a business and I was making decent money. Um, but most of the money was through like online gambling revenue, like affiliate marketing stuff. I wasn't like taking bets and whatnot. I decided that I didn't want to be in that industry, but I really liked the web development piece. And so I actually went to school at the British Columbia Institute of Technology, BCIT, to study web development and uh, graphic design. Um, and there I learned a lot more formally about, you know, the languages um, that are used to produce and publish websites, um, everything from video editing to graphic design, um, really interesting, you know, group of skills. And as I um, learned more and more about how websites functioned, I became modestly obsessed with the fact that you could structure 
a site so that it surfaced in organic, you know, search results more prominently. So SEO, search engine optimization. Um, it, I really, really enjoyed that. And I started building all kinds of little sites that were, you know, predicated on clusters of content, or I would do, you know, early stage link development or uh, technical site optimizations and whatnot. And what I thought was going to be a career, you know, in web development turned into, you know, a career in search engine optimization. At BCIT, they had a class called, I think it was called Trendsetters, and the students got to ask our instructor, who is Tris Hussey. I don't know if either of you know him. Yeah. Great guy. Um, he used to work for me. He used to work for you. He, he's yeah. a fantastic guy. <laughs> and he was very kind. And I was kind of like, you know, there's this, uh, you know, agency in Vancouver that I really like. Uh, they're, I think, the best at SEO. Could you bring in the founder of that to come and talk to us, you know, to speak to the class? And in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, I'm going to ask him a million questions and maybe, uh, you know, I can develop a relationship and get an internship. And so um, Chris Freaks, who was running back then 6S yeah. Mark, came on. to uh, <laughs> our class. And I literally am the only one. I'm like, he's at, asking, you know, the class something and I raise my hand and I answer the question. And then I ask another question and another question. And eventually I run up to him and give him this like really crappy business card that I had designed because we were still handing out paper business cards at that point. And I was kind of like, you know, uh, I'm Jonathan, you know, I'm a pretty technical SEO guy and I would love to intern with you. And I didn't hear from them for a few weeks. And then he emailed me and was like, yeah, we have a place for you. And they actually brought me on as their lead SEO specialist right out of the gates because uh, I knew a lot at that point. And so that was the beginning of my career. Um, which eventually transitioned into performance marketing, but that's the next part of the story. That is incredible. I didn't know that about you and Chris. That's really cool. Yeah, Chris gave me my first gig. Wow. What's it like when you see him now? What's what, what you know? So uh, Chris and I run competing agencies, and I, yeah. I see him very much as like a very friendly competitor. You know, he gave me my kind of big break in marketing. He's a super knowledgeable guy. I think what's interesting about, you know, my world is that there's, you know, we fiercely compete with other agencies uh, for business and for people, you know, talent, whatever it is. But um, the folks who run those businesses have ended up becoming close friends in most cases. So um, we share insights, talk about, you know, what it's like to do what we do. Um, Chris and I have a really good rapport and I still keep in touch with a number of people at uh, what is now called Major Tom. It's amazing. So, okay, event company at UVic. Can we talk about that? Was that, did that kind of help you where you are now? Or was that kind of like a... Yeah. Um, so um, when I, so when you're younger and you're casting around trying to, you know, figure out what it is you want to do with your life, I think people experiment a lot. And um, what I now know about myself is that I'm an entrepreneur and I really like starting businesses and running different types of companies. Um, and so I think when I think back to UVic and what I did there, um, you know, at my fingertips is a whole group of young people. Everybody wants to party. People are kind of single, you know, in first year, second year college. They're looking for things to do. They're going out all the time. Avery talked about the great parties. Like I remember that too you know, from, from those days. And so as a young entrepreneur with like no, you know, real business skills or, you know, anything like that, um, what do you do? You start to organize parties. And so um, what I liked about that was the marketing of them. Um, I like doing the business side, like the organizational piece behind it. Um, and, you know, whether you made money or not doing it was kind of secondary, I think at that point, it was mostly about the experience. And so um, that set me on a path where it was very much okay for me. And I validated that it's okay to take risks and try, you know, businesses and whatnot. And those parties were like the first time I really ever experienced that. And it started like a long sequence of different things that I started. Amazing. Amazing. So Avery, now when you look back, like education wise and kind of the journey wise, anything that you changed or anything kind of you wish you had known that someone had told you? No, no, because I think it's just like Jonathan said, like so much of your journey is is learning what environments you like to work in and and what you do and don't like to do and what conditions you like to be in. And, 
really it's it's a without getting too woo woo like it's it's a discovery of yourself and learning what how you do your best work and what what are the scenarios that that will allow you to do that and so um over the years i discovered something that like you know if you look back to me as a young child you could see this but like i am fiercely independent um i have a uh a healthy uh suspicion and disregard for authority figures <laughs> so what that meant from really from a very early age when i was like in school and the authority figures were my teachers all the way to you know in situations where i had a boss where you know i've been self-employed since 2006 so i haven't had a boss in a long time um although client work is kind of like having a boss but anyway um i knew that when I work with other people that I respect, um, I love to collaborate and I love to uh, to learn from them. But if I'm in a situation where, um, you know, someone's in a position of authority and I don't respect them, and this can literally, I'm, I'm, I'm talking like, we're going back to like my grade six teacher, um, all the way up to bosses that I didn't really like in my early 20s. If somebody's in a position of authority and I don't respect them, then not only can I not work with them, but I I have a bit of a mischievous streak mm -hmm. and um, like, I will go out of my way to like make their life hell. Oh no, <laughs> you'll, so, you'll, um, you'll microwave fish in the, in the uh, lunchroom. Like, like that's the kind of stuff I used to get in trouble for as a little yeah. kid. So I knew that I was fiercely independent. And so, um, you know, I think if you ask my parents, they'd be like, duh, of course, Avery owns her own company. Like, and, and, and because she's good at it, but also because, She's kind of unemployable. Yeah, that's good. That's a good assessment to have of like you get pushed to you get marked with an E or something. It's like unemployable, yeah. but also maybe entrepreneurial. There you go. Yes. Other term, yes. AK, very, also very smart, as. but also like a total troublemaker. Yeah. Perfect. That's good to know. Um, Jonathan, for you, when you, um, you know, being the new Chris, there's, there's a lot of profs that share these episodes. There's students that are maybe listening to this and taking notes and be like, I want to get a job. Jonathan one day and I'm going to listen to podcasts and ask a bunch of questions. What's your advice for students today? What, what do you encourage them to be doing, working on? And, and what do you look for when you kind of, I, I know you're not personally interviewing and hiring everyone, but what do you kind of, mm -hmm. your team look for in new hires? Um, so yeah, so two different questions. So like one, yeah. what do I recommend to students? And then yeah. two, you know, what does maybe Thrive look for in, um, in hire? So yeah. um, number one, uh, the biggest barrier that I've seen facing young people as they begin this career journey is um, a reluctance to put themselves out there. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, when you put yourself in front of someone and say, hey, you know, can you hire me? There's, especially the first couple of times you do it, there's a high chance you're going to get rejected. And um, that's just part of the game. Um, I have been rejected and turned down more than anyone in my career. And that is why I am successful because I, it did not stop me. I just kept on doing it. You have to develop a sense of humor around people saying no to you. Um, you know yourself and you know that you're good, but they don't know you and they don't owe you anything either. And so you have to keep trying and you have to be willing to contact people and say, Hey, you know, I read about you, or I heard about you, or I know you occupy this role. And I'd love to sit down for coffee. And it's not always just like a, hey, can you give me a job? Or this is what I want. Sometimes it's okay to just pick their brain and learn from them, add them to your network and ask them, hey, you know, I'm interested in this. I'm interested in what you do. If there isn't an opportunity where you're doing it, do you have any colleagues in the industry that you might be able to introduce me to? And so it's networking and it takes time and you have to be okay with people saying no and you know rejecting you and sometimes it really doesn't feel good when that happens but that's like part of you know uh just being a human in society and you know working with people not everybody's going to give you you know um what you want and so the you know tying this back i see a lot of students being initially anyway afraid of that process and afraid of the rejection that that inherently comes with it you have to power through that and the more you're willing to do so the more successful you'll be. That's not just for, you know, the job search. It's about being an entrepreneur if you're interested in that too. Uh, a lot of it is about failure. And so we can talk about that, you know, separately. Um, what does Thrive look for in, uh, in folks? 
We have a number of different disciplines that we hire for these days. So we're a full service, you know, media buying agency, essentially. Part of that is the, the planning and execution of like pay-per-click or programmatic campaigns on Facebook and Google and other channels, TikTok, you know, whatever it may be. Part of it is uh, marketing sciences and the analysis and validation that goes into uh, campaigns. And then part of it is our creative group, which literally builds, you know, very pretty looking motion graphics or video uh, ads uh, that are engaging on these uh, platforms. And so I think uh, what I'm happy to say is that there's no one background that we, you know, that you have to have to check all the boxes here. I think fundamentally what we learned a long time ago about building an organization is that you just need smart people in it. And once you have great people who are focused and want the same things in life, maybe that you do to a degree, um, you can do anything. And so, uh, you know, we, um, Avery and I both talked about our technical backgrounds, not that we're like, you know, the world's craziest software engineers. It's totally not like that. Um, but I know enough to understand my way around a website and I was self-taught because I was interested in it. And, um, you know, what we found is that evidence that someone might be good at, let's say the performance marketing side is some degree of interest and technical aptitude. So, We've hired people who have literally backgrounds in nuclear physics, in mathematics, in software engineering, um, in data science, in finance and accounting, like all kinds of weird stuff. None of those people were performance marketers. We actually trained them in a lot of cases, or they'd have like a smidgen of experience. Um, but we knew that they'd be good at problem solving. And so um, on the one hand, maybe the technical skills, I'm, I'm just talking about the media buying part of the business, not, not the other areas. Um, and then the other piece is like, you know, can you have a conversation with me in a high pressure situation, like a job interview that kind of emulates what it might be like to work with some of our clients? Client, Avery, you talked about this too. Clients can be pretty intense. Um, rightfully so. They're paying you and they expect results quickly. Um, and so, you know, is this someone that I'd be willing to go for coffee with and happy to sit down with for an hour? And if if that's the case, it's a major check mark um, because they'll they'll be a good culture fit for the team, um, you know. And then those other things that I mentioned too. But like high level, you know, you don't have to have like one particular background to work at an organization like Thrive. That's awesome. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn five dollars into one hundred and fifty dollars instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code Champion One Hundred and Fifty. Then place a five dollar wager on any sport. You'll receive one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc and, and for you avery the stuff you're seeing with training and education and kind of the students that come through your program uh, where are you seeing they end up or what do you kind of what are you seeing them excited about learning and that kind of whole education side of things i think I think to learn and, and also to and to be the person that is in the position of teaching, um, which means that you yourself have to always be learning. I think to learn is to be incredibly vulnerable. It is to admit, I don't know something. And that is a really, to, to say, I don't know, like in today's society, that is such an uncomfortable place to sit. You know, we we ask that people do know something. We want we want hot takes. We want opinions all the time. Um, but to say I don't know, um, you know, you feel stupid. You feel inferior. You feel uncomfortable. And when someone is learning, we're asking them to sit in that feeling of I don't know. And I actually think that sitting in that feeling as long as you possibly can like your entire life is probably a really great place to be um, because it forces you to be curious and to just really get comfortable with feeling like, well, I don't know, 
like one of my favorite things that happens, um, you know, sometimes I, I do teach at my company. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But um, I've been doing it a little bit more lately. And one of my favorite things that happens is I'll be teaching a topic um, that is really some, something that changes a lot. Like for example, I was teaching a Google Analytics 4 workshop uh, a couple weeks ago. And anybody that spent any time inside GA4, like that is a tool that is literally changing every five minutes. Um, there was a section in my slides that wasn't in the tool anymore. And I had just done the slides like the day before. <laughs> Like, um, so I'm inside the tool, someone has asked me a question, they're saying, how do I, you know, pull a report that looks like this? And I go, I don't know. Uh, and so then I showed them how I figured it out. And that, and the, the student said that that was so amazing for them to watch me, you know, someone who's supposed to be an authority figure, I'm supposed to be the teacher and the expert, be like, well, first I'm going to go to Google and this is the type of thing I'm going to type in. And then I'm going to go over and I'm going to read some industry blogs. And these are the kind of people that I trust. And then I'm going to go inside the tool and I kind of suspect it might be in this one section. So I'm going to fiddle around inside there for a little bit. And like, they watched me in real time kind of troubleshoot my way through it. Um, and so I think taking that position and, and just trying to get as comfortable as you can with, with being uncomfortable, because it's always going to change. You're, you're never going to know everything about it. And like Jonathan was saying, I mean, oh my gosh, Google, Meta, like they are changing every 30 oh, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I think also, you know, one of the things that I think is really interesting to any students that are, that are listening and thinking about careers in marketing, um, you know, we, we do have to look and see like, what is the impact of artificial intelligence gonna be? I think that we can't even begin to understand the impact that this is going to have. But the one thing that I think is really, really important is tapping into that spirit of like, okay, I'm gonna be brave. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm gonna figure it out anyway. Uh, and, um, and then also the feeling of curiosity of like, okay, I want to learn and I want to poke around and read blogs and, and, and try things and fail and then try again and keep failing. If you kind of never lose sight of that, um, you're, you're going to be okay. Did that answer the question? Yeah, I don't even know no, if that answered the question, no. but yeah. So many good um, nuggets in there. It's amazing. And and when I hire, uh, what, I, what I look for, the number one thing that I look for in team members and in my instructors is empathy. Hmm. Um, you gotta know, you gotta know your technical stuff. I mean, that's table stakes. Okay. So like mm -hmm. if you're coming into my company and you're going to be teaching, um, you know, Facebook ads, well, I want you to be certified. Like you better have your certifications and all your stuff. But to me, that's like, you're not even going to get an interview if you don't have that stuff. But then once I'm talking to you, one of my favorite things to ask people is like, tell me about the last time you learned something new. Hmm. And it could be, you learned, you learned how to, you know, um, make bread or you learned how to snowboard um tell me what it was like for you to learn something new and tell me what it felt like uh and then can you explain it to me um and then like because what i'm what i'm really really looking for is do they understand what how uncomfortable it is what it's like to be a beginner and can they be respectful and empathetic of a beginner in that moment that's what i'm really looking for it's amazing Jonathan, um, you mentioned failure earlier. How has that been a part of kind of your development and what you're continuing to see as a you know company leader? Yeah, um, well, I think um, just candidly, you know, I still fail at things all the time. Um, I again, um, as Avery kind of uh, said there, I think like you know, learning new things, you're not going to be successful all the time, putting yourself out there. You know, I, I'm, I, I run a fairly large, you know, agency business. I still put myself out there with people. I don't know, get rejected all the time, but it's about that one time that someone's like, yes, this is interesting to me and timely at the moment, you know, that, um, things happen and, and, and your, you know, career and the business move forward. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, failure is a really failure itself is inextricably linked with success. So you actually cannot have one without the other. You can think of it as like, uh, you know, a, a curve and, you know, failure is one side and success is, is the other side. Um, personally, um, all kinds of things, you know, in life, uh, can experience failures from relationships, you know, like if your partner, if your relationship with your partner doesn't work, that can be, 
quite jarring and that's okay. It happens to people, people, you know, pair up together uh, and then sometimes it doesn't work out and they perceive that as a failure. Sometimes you can reach the end point in a particular role where you realize you're not interested in this career path and it's time to, you know, rethink and, and do something different. That can be often seen as a failure, but um, I think that these moments, you know, the, the moments where I have failed, so to speak, in life, I've learned profound things about myself. And so, like I mentioned, you know, I learn, I'm the type of person that learns by exclusion uh, and failure and like learning more about what I don't want than what I knew I wanted and whatnot. And so uh, for me, when I'm in these moments or have been historically, I think, you know, the younger I was, the more I would panic a little bit. Um, the more experience I got, the more I was like, okay, I'm in this situation again. And what am I going to do to pick myself back up? And like, how am I going to turn this like negative into a, you know, something that is um, actually a positive for me. And so uh, those moments have strengthened me a lot, I would say. And so that's kind of like, you know, an, on a one-to-one -one basis, how I think about failure in the workplace. I think there's like two types of failure, really. There's the type where we can you know the employer can put someone in a situation where they're not supported properly oftentimes um that's through the blind spots of the employer itself they as a as a company you don't always know what you don't know so there are things that you know there's things that you know that you do not know and then there's like this world of like i don't even know what i don't know and those things can come out of nowhere and and like bite you and so and and sometimes you know it puts individuals in uncomfortable situations and so as an employer, it's really our job to set people up for success as much as possible. But sometimes we don't know what we don't know and, and things happen that are that are bad. And so it becomes a process of like coaching these individuals on the team around what just happened and where we're gonna go, you know, from here and letting people know that it's okay. And that this is part of, you know, uh, succeeding is like experiencing these moments where things basically happen the opposite way uh, from what you wanted. Um, uh, then, you know, the second, uh, kind of failure, I think is like very much on a one-to-one -one level where, you know, um, more to do with your individual performance, I guess, in a corporate setting and whether you feel that you gave it your all or, you know, whether a mistake happened or whatever. So less about the organization itself, you know, uh, failing you, if you will, uh, and more about like, Hey, you know, I, I prepared, myself for this meeting and it was in front of these clients and I even flew down to their office in St. Louis or whatever it was, but I, I was really unhappy with the outcome and this and this happened and it caught me off guard or whatever. And so all of this is coachable. And, you know, I feel strongly that, um, that these types of like, you know, negative moments uh, where people are uncomfortable are actually the most profound opportunities for growth in career. And so um, that's kind of how I think about it again, but uh, we're not exactly like an organization that shies away from this topic. And I think we talk about it openly. Yeah. And, and on that, I want to ask about this and, and Avery, I want to get your take on this too. Students, when they go through marketing education, whatever it looks like, they have this decision at the end. And maybe if they're from Toronto, they have these MarTech options, right? You go work at LinkedIn, Google, Amazon, all these awesome options, you know, the rest of the country, right? Maybe you could still work at those places, but uh, agency versus brand side, Jonathan, I want to get your take. I know you're going to have some bias towards agency being from agency, but how would you tell students the difference between working? Uh, one I don't have any bias against agency uh, yeah. or, or versus, you know, for agency, I should yeah, say yeah, I yeah. worked in-house before I started an agency. And, yeah. and um, so I think that these two things are not mutually exclusive, like, and, and it depends like what stage you're at in your career to a certain extent and what you want. Um, for young people who are students or not, or self-taught or whatever it is, however, which way you find your way into your first work experience, it's just about experience. Like maybe I'm a little bit old school, but it's like not about the money. Um, it's about, it, it's not about the benefits and stuff like that. Like money's, money's obviously important. Um, you have to be able to like, you know, subsist in society, but the most valuable thing at the beginning is experience. And um, I don't know if people really think about it like that anymore. Like my, my first few roles, you know, I was willing to basically work for nothing. I think my first real, you know, paid internship, so to speak, paid me like a hundred, $125 a week. And I was wow. like, really happy about that. That wasn't with Chris, by the way, this is something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, so 
you know, uh, when I think about it, it doesn't matter whether you're agency or in-house. Mm-hmm. Um, agency, you see a lot of stuff. So, you know, you're ultimately in a services business, you're solving people's problems for them in the context of the agency that you're at. It's very high paced. It can be very stressful. Yeah. Um, you have to be good at multitasking. You have to be good at time management. Um, there's a bunch, but you will learn a lot very fast. Yeah. In-house can have all of those features and whatnot. But what I always hear people talk about when they leave agency to go in-house or you know, when they actually have left in-house to come agency side is that in-house, you can focus on a few things very deeply. You tend to be a little bit more siloed, maybe, but you can become like a real subject matter expert in a specific thing. So I'm generalizing a little bit here. I haven't worked at every single company in the world, and I'm really just speaking from my own personal experience, but that's the main difference. Um, neither of them is better. Neither of them is worse. Some people make their careers agency side. Uh, a lot of people start out in agency, then determine what they want to specialize in and go in-house. And then we have a lot of like really, really sophisticated people who are so good at what they do in-house that we want them, you know, on the agency side, cause they're amazing at what they do. So, uh, you can many different roads to the same place in, in people's careers. And Avery, MarTech, I'm, I know you know people who have gone that route as well. So maybe MarTech yeah. versus maybe uh, agency or brand tech. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I think there's some really, really good insights there. Um, I, I think oftentimes we choose jobs. We, we choose jobs because of things like um, you know, the, the growth potential or the salary or the comps or the, or the perks or the location of the office or that you can work from home or whatever it might be. But the reason why we stay in jobs almost has nothing to do with those things. Hmm. Uh, the reason why we stay in jobs is because of the people. Uh, we like we like the team or we like or we're being managed really well or we are given a lot of great challenges and I think you can find those things in any situation um, whether that's agency side or in-house I did hear someone say something really interesting once when she decided to go in-house in a very strategic move after having been um, more kind of agency, more, you know, working with lots of different clients, decided specifically to go in-house because she had a very clear list of exactly who she wanted to work next to and exactly which skills she wanted to pick up. And it was, all you know, it wasn't a deal with the devil. It was actually, it was a great opportunity for her, but she was very, very clear. She's like, I'm going to go because I know that I'm going to spend two years working alongside that team. And I'm going to learn these very specific skills from that team. And then maybe I'll stay if I like it. Maybe I'll leave, you know, who knows what will happen after that. And I thought that was really um, very, very strategic of her to think that way. Wow. And, and those folks, and I, through these interviews, we often get people who go and work for a, uh, you know, large brand, like a, like a, you know, whatever, like skincare, or, you know, what, what is it called? It was the big, there's a big parent company they work for that large brand. And then they end up going work at Google or work at Amazon. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about those working kind of that side of the, uh, I don't know, that side of the marketing elephant? I think it's great. I mean, you're, you're, you're picking up transferable skills you might not always know how exactly they're going to transfer um but i think if you there are certain things about working in teams that i think you're going to carry with you wherever you go um now sure now there's some some hard skills that you're like okay i you know i worked on um you know an seo campaign over here at you know unilever like you know the big um like that's a big uh big umbrella organization that has a bunch of skincare brands and stuff um and you're like okay and now i'm gonna go and i'm gonna work um inside pay-per-click uh on on the agency side well you're gonna need to skill up on some very particular things um but I, i i i've it has never stopped surprising me where certain skills will come back around at different points in your career. Well, you'll be like, oh, dang, I never knew that it would be worthwhile to learn, you know, that stuff that I did back there. I didn't think that would apply, but actually it really does over here. Um, Can I just add something there? Um, The 
Walter Isaacson's Steve Jobs biography, there's like this quote that always stands out to me uh, where Steve Jobs studied calligraphy at art school, fine art school, right? I think that's what it was. Um, and people around him were like, you're never going to use this. Like how many scribes do you know type thing? It's like, you know, and, and to the, even probably to Steve Jobs at the time, he was like, well, I'm doing this just because it's amazing and I love it. And that's, that's the reason why I'm doing it. And then later you have the Mac, you know, um, be launched and it's the first computer with fonts. And so, and this is like, as we were all talking about, we all experienced that, that was earth shattering when that happened. It was very, very cool. And suddenly Mac is incredibly innovative. And so Steve Jobs sums this up by saying, you can't connect the dots in terms of skills and learnings into the future looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. In other words, like you can only see, you know, once it's already happened, how all the skills that you accumulate as random or as core as they may be will benefit you in your career. But that exploration is like an okay thing. And because just because you do something that's like, you know, seen as weird or fringe or whatever, that might actually, it, it's not a negative thing. It might mean that you're an innovator in the future, but you can't see into the future yet. And so all of these things, if they interest you, if something interests you in your career, you go for it. You go down that rabbit hole. You learn, you read, you do whatever you need to do. You hustle to become the best at that one little thing, even if it's calligraphy, because you just don't know. Yeah. I'd say, uh, is it Ron Titan mentioned, I mentioned him earlier, but is a, was a member of Second City, but he still uses his mm -hmm. improv skills today, running his agency, creative agency. I'd say yeah, anyone going into yeah. PR, improv skills is an amazing yeah. thing to, to pick up. You know, you might, yeah. you know, hopefully you don't have someone awkward like, you know, Steve Carell's character in the office in your improv <laughs> group, but hopefully it's awesome. And it's, but inspiring. Avery, I think you're, you're also like a wonderful example of this. You said you studied theater, right? And now you teach oh, yeah. in front of and and all these I students. Will argue until I'm blue in the face that I think theater school is the best possible education for life. Um, I cannot tell you how often I use my theater school education mm -hmm. and it comes in in very like strange ways in that you know there's certain parts of my life that I'm like oh yeah um, I can totally help my kid with her Halloween costume because I actually took three years of costuming classes and I know how to sew. <laughs> um, I also know how to like wire electrical stuff because of my like theater lighting uh, lessons but also I learned how to be on time. I learned how to work with um, difficult personalities. <laughs> I learned how to do things on a budget. I learned how to do things in a really, really creative way. When people come together and want to build something that's new and innovative um, and how to, you know, gain consensus and get people to, to work together towards the same goal. Like, you know, theater is like, oh, I mean, I, I have a wonderful, wonderful relationship with my father and um, he's been a, a real mentor in my life. Um, but there was one point, I, I don't think he's gonna listen to this, so he probably won't mind, but there was one point where um, I heard him say, you know, someone said, oh, what, what's Avery studying in university? And he said, oh, she's getting a degree in dress up. And I was like, <laughs> oh, like that's awful, dad. Um, because I can argue that getting a degree in dress up was probably one of the most formative and character building activities in a really solid career foundation. Oh, I yeah. um you I, I don't know if you know um there's this wonderful human named Nancy Lyons. Nancy um, runs Clockwork Agency. They're based in Minnesota. Um, Nancy's a good friend of mine, uh, and Nancy also went to theater school. And sometimes we get together and we're like, "That's it. All tech people need to just take a few years off and go to theater school." Like it's all we all need. <laughs> Must be great training for the the pitch. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. for sure. And and you know, and the narratives and the storytelling and yes, and the drama and theatricality of it. Like mm -hmm. life is boring if you don't have just a a little bit of sizzle to it. It's and and that's what I love about the theater. Amazing. Okay, we're gonna do something unique we've not done before. We're gonna do a two person rapid fire. So Avery, we're gonna start with you. Um, and then Jonathan, just the first thing that comes to your mind, quick answers. Uh, you guys ready for this? Rapid yep. fire? Here we go. Do it. Here we go. Um, what was your first ever job? Um, I processed film at Moto Photo. I was a dishwasher at Earl's in Vancouver. Come on. Um, night owl or early bird? Used to be a night owl since having children. Now I'm an early bird. Okay. Still a night owl. Yeah. Nice. Um, cat or dog person? 
Oh, dogs, 100%. I have two dogs. I love them. I'm a cat person. <laughs> I feel Correct. like this is like not an okay thing to admit in society <laughs> no. these days, but um, I, yeah, I love cats. I don't have any cats, but I love cats. That's awesome. Uh, that's great. And man, cat, remember the cat, remember Grumpy Cat? Grumpy Cat was like a huge thing. For, yeah. Um, what was the first thing you ever marketed? First thing I ever, like, like professionally? Or anything, could even been as a kid, lemonade. Um, I, I am the oldest of like nine cousins. Mm -hmm. And so my first marketing was when I was the director of little shows that I forced them yes. to do yeah. for my aunts and uncles. And I would run until all the aunts and uncles were putting on a show yeah. uh, later on today. And then I would um, bark at my cousins yeah. as I directed them in their performance. Perfect. Perfect. I love that. Um, I was 17 and I was selling tickets to my high school prom. That is amazing. Which, high school? Which one was it? Pardon which me. High which high school did oh, you go to? Point Grey in Carysdale, Vancouver. Yeah, very cool. Um, Avery, back to you. Darker milk, chocolate. Milk. Milk. Nice. Favorite word right now. Mischief. Nice. Concophony. Okay, I'm gonna have to look that up after this. Okay, I like it. It's <laughs> great. Um, what's the last charity you supported financially or with your time, and why? Uh, that would have been the Canadian Diabetes Association, yeah. uh, which is now just called Diabetes Canada, uh, because my father is a type one diabetic and, uh, was doing a big fundraiser. Nice. I'm pretty involved with BC Children's Hospital. Um, and so, yeah, just in a succinct answer, BC Children's Hospital. Amazing. Uh, what's a movie you could watch like over and over again? Just love it. Jaws. Yeah. Nice. The Thomas Crown Affair. Okay, very cool. The, the Pierce Brosnan version. Okay, there we go. Nice. Um, favorite song or album on repeat right now? Um, what have I been listening to? Um, I. <laughs> this is going to sound like really sappy, but like um, I, I really like the new Boy Genius album. It's very sad. It's <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> Uh, on Spotify. So I'm, you know, trying to, I have a nine month old and a three year old and my nine month old, whenever she gets upset, if I put the Beatles on, she's like, and oh. so I've just been playing the Beatles greatest hiss, hits a lot, which means that she gets upset a lot at the moment, but it really works. Um, this is a fun one. In another multiverse, if you weren't doing this job, what would you be doing with your life? I'm going to kick back to that original theater path. I think there's yeah. a, there's an Avery and a parallel universe. It's a lighting designer. Okay. Perfect. I probably would have been like a mechanical engineer. Yeah. I come from a long line of mechanical engineers and I'm not, I'm not one. So I yeah. probably could have like gone in that direction. Amazing. Um, app on your phone. You can't live without. Slack. Right. Audible. Okay, nice. Uh, favorite children's book? Um, I really like this children's book called The Princess and the Pony by Canadian author Kate Beaton. Um, it's, it's delightful. Pick it up for your kids or even just read it amongst adults. It's great. Perfect. Uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Um, I don't know if you've read that book, yeah. but it's a charmer. My three-year-old loves it. Yeah, no, it's a great one. Great illustrations too. Yeah. Um, Best thing you ever bought for under $10? I'm like literally like looking around my office. Like what, what did I buy for under $10? Oh, that's tough. Under $10. Um, you can pass um, this one. You can say skip. skip I pass. It. I yeah. pass. I'm, yeah, I'm drawing pass. a blank. Yeah, that's right. Um, one of our neighbors was having a yard sale and they had like a garbage bag full of toy trucks and yeah. toy cars. Yeah. And so I think it was... Ten dollars. Uh, so maybe this doesn't. Maybe I'm disqualified. But no, yard my sales. son has had like limitless joy from this garbage bag of like you know hand me down toys and trucks, and like to this day walks around with them, wants to take them to daycare, all of it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Best best purchase I've ever made. Great. Um, over to you, Avery. What's the most important thing you've ever changed your mind about? I almost shut down my company about three years ago. Okay. And you did not. 
and I did and I did not. <laughs> Good for you. That's great. Thank you for not doing that. Appreciate it. Jonathan. Um I'll tie it into uh, some of the themes we were talking before, but there yeah. were moments where I really wanted to give up uh, early on, especially uh, where you are still casting around and you don't know everything about yourself yet. And you're not sure what what's around the next corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I decided to keep going. And I think it was the best you know choice I've ever made. And I, I'm speaking specifically in the context of uh, starting an agency business. Amazing. That's great. Um, back to you, Avery, business or marketing book you'd recommend? One that I've, it, a lot of people are not going to call this a business or marketing book, yeah, but right. whatever. Uh, I really enjoy The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. Nice. It's about, it's about how to just be more thoughtful about bringing people together, whether it's a dinner party or a conference or a tech workshop. Um, it just, it, it's a delight. Cool. Awesome. awesome. Um, story worthy by Matthew Dix. Um, he is kind of like an award-winning, you know, um, professional storyteller. He's won all kinds of awards. Um, and he really breaks down, you know, how to tell stories, um, uh, in, in a live, you know, format type thing. And I think there's a lot of takeaways there for how to write marketing copy or how to, organize a a presentation or do a pitch. Uh, All of these things are like, you know, it's a massive skill set. Even if you take away one or two small things from that book, it's, it's really, really crucial for marketers. It's amazing. Um, Podcasts, website, newsletter that you go for inspiration ideas. Who do you want to shout out? One that I really, really love is this is related to to careers and business, um, not so much marketing per se. Uh, really great newsletter that comes from um, a team that I know here in Toronto. They're called Raw Signal Group, and they put out a killer newsletter every two weeks. Um, it's it, they they're management trainers, like they they do management training, but they write so eloquently about what it is to be in a job these days. I highly recommend subscribing. That, that's like a great recommendation, especially for the audience we have listening. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Jonathan. Um, podcast, I like Lenny Ruchinsky. Um, so he, mostly a US audience there, but he yeah. talks a lot about marketing and, and uh, product yeah. and interviews, seems to have access to like the CTO of Stripe and the person who started this company and the person who started that company. And so there's lots of interesting uh, stuff on there. And I like it because I find that sometimes I end up um, in a bit of a silo if I'm reading too much about the same thing. And so he has a really nice way of weaving in uh, things that are themed well, but, you know, across across different sides of the industry. Um, yeah. Amazing. And then, oh yeah, and actually um, I'm forgetting the guy's name, um, the Wait But Why newsletter. Um, okay. forgetting, forgetting his name, but uh, this guy writes about like the world's curiosities and it could be anything from, you know, the AI revolution to, yeah. uh, you know, something about science that he thinks is really interesting. It's awesome. Uh, Avery, where can people find you online outside of your GeoCities website? <laughs> oh, yeah, which, you know, of course, is still rocking. Yeah. Um, I am Avery Swartz. There's no C or H in my last name. Right. Uh, it's Avery Swartz, not Schwartz, although, you know, I own all the domain names of all the misspellings. <laughs> um, these days, you know what? Oh, friends, this this is like a topic for another day. But I actually quit Twitter, and yeah. I still miss it because I loved it so much. Yeah. I spent so much time on Twitter, but I'm just I'm out. Yeah. Um, so these days, I'm more on Instagram and LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and I'm still looking for my new Twitter replacement. Um, but I'm at Avery Swartz everywhere. TikTok. I've got it's that name like locked up. Yeah. I don't know. Tick- I I'm not cool enough for TikTok. I'm old. <laughs> I like TikTok, but I'm a consumer, not a producer yeah. of content. Yeah, I'm, I'm same. Out to same. Produce content on TikTok. That's amazing. Um, Avery, what tell us about your book? Where can we find your book as well? Oh yeah, I wrote a book. Um, it, and and it's pretty good. Uh, even I think so. Um, <laughs> and and actually, there's an interesting story about how there was a long time where I did not think that it was a good book. Uh, and I thought I didn't know anything, and I had yeah. imposter syndrome, and like. Oh gosh, that was a, a real pain in the butt. But um, got rid of that and uh, and wrote a great book. It's called See You on the Internet, 
building your small business with digital marketing. It's an international bestseller. It's been translated into other languages. It's available wherever books are sold. Many libraries carry it in paper book and ebook version. Mm -hmm. And it is on Audible with, um, if you can't get enough of this voice, <laughs> just imagine five hours of me reading it to you. Uh, saying such words as search engine optimization and um, marketing funnels and conversion metrics. Ooh. Like, I mean, like you, you can play it to your baby when you need uh, your baby to get to sleep. It's great. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. That is amazing. And Jonathan, what about you? Where do you, where do you hang out on the internet? Um, you can find me on Twitter uh, at JZ Becker. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn as well and, uh, thrivedigital.com as yeah. well. Uh, you can reach out through our contact form and talk to us more about, uh, getting hired jobs or working with us. It's amazing. Thank you both for, for coming here today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks so much Darian. for having us. Yeah, it's really great. Thank you students for joining us in the special student episode, uh, for all of our Jelly Academy students and for Marketing News Canada listeners. What a treat. Uh, to have two guests on the show. And uh, we'll see you next time on the next episode of Marketing News Canada. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded at the Jelly Marketing Studio. Thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editor, Travis Jeffers. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.